Get Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 243 my name is jm clark of the jedi ross it's wonderful as always to have all of you back here with me in the l5j studios but we begin this week's show on a special somber note if any of you out there have been listening to this show long enough or have heard any of the first 70 episodes of an elegant weapon You'll remember that I had a co-host, a co-host named Potato Waste, uh, IRL, a.k.a. Sean Peter Fagan, is uh, with a heavy, somber, and very sad heart that I inform you all of the passing of Potato Waste last Monday. And that pretty much fucking sucks. Uh, Sean left the show a few years ago, uh, but he was here for the first 70. Um, I knew Sean for 32 years, so I'm going to pot about him. Started potting with him. And of course, when these things happen, you think about many different things and aspects in your head, trying to sort things out, just keep it straight. Emotions and reason don't often mix well. So I thought I'd pod and I'd talk to you about it a little bit. Uh, Like I say, I knew Sean for 32 years. Uh, When I was nine years old, maybe eight, I moved from St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. I moved to Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The L5J. Clarkson. I started attending grade three at a school called Willow Glen Public School, which was just torn down, not last year, I think. It's gone now. Drove by for the first time the other day to take a look. It was a very strange, eerie sight. It's a very old school. It's old when I went there 30 years ago, 32 years ago. So, uh, I was in grade three. I was in Mr. Healy's class remember it very clearly very well i have very good long-term memory my short one is not anything to brag about but i do have a good long-term memory so i started willow glen at grade three mr healy's class and that is where i met sean and he was just a little dude like we were all little dudes uh that was a crazy year i think it was 1985 four or five but it was around right around that era 85 greatest year for pop anything pop culture as a mass thing ever 1985 uh but i remember that year whatever year it was 84 85 it was also the year that i sat in class with sean and watched the challenger explode uh they showed that in schools and we were like what the shit i remember i was sitting with sean and jason burt and it was kind of kind of crazy and nutty we didn't know really get it know what was going on uh but then they kind of explained it to us well but those were good good times then came grade four 
Miss Spears class. Uh, that was good times. That was the year of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. So I knew Sean through Willow Glen. And Sean was a local Clarkson kid. Sean had originally been born in Montreal, but had moved to Clarkson years earlier, much before I arrived in the L5J. And, uh, you know, you're little kids. You know each other as well as you do. You hang out. Uh, the days of the superpowers. I remember I had a superpowers case that uh, that kind of was an in for getting to know a few people. Uh, so those days, I remember also uh, in Willow Glen in grade five, we had a lip sync contest. And Sean and this guy, Stuart McIntosh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Stuart McIntosh, they did I've Had the Time of My Life from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. And Sean sang the male part, Stuart sang the female part, and my friend, our friend, Dwayne Roberts, he had a cutout guitar that he was, you know, playing on. But when it got to the sax solo, he flipped it over and the other side was made like a sax. And it was a brilliant move. Uh, I remember Andrew Carter, Andrew Pillar, and Perry? No, not Perry. Some other guy, maybe. They did these, uh, these nuts by uh, uh, the Fat Boys. I was uh, me, Curtis, and Richard Miller. We did Hungry Eyes. But anyways... Yeah, there was a dirty dancing year, I tell you that much. So then we move on to Hillside. Got to know Sean a little better, but that was when Sean and whoever you are at that age, grade six, you know, you're getting a little older, you start finding your own identity more, what you're into. And Sean discovered skateboarding. Uh, of course, Batman was 1989, grade six. Everyone was into Batman. Remember every kid on the planet had a Batman t-shirt of some sort. Didn't matter what kind, as long as it was Batman. But Sean hit the skating thing hard. That's when he discovered like Bones Brigade and uh, might even have been a little bit earlier than that. But he discovered skating really, really early on. And he was all about Bones Brigade and stuff. And, uh, you know, Thrasher Magazine those days. And he started skating very early on with uh, all the other Clarkson hoodlums. I was too... F far too geeky and nerdy at that time to be you know hanging out with Sean on the regular because he was out at those times with all the cool kids skateboarding and Sean was uh, Sean was legendary for having the longest dead eye in the hood I tell you uh, his dead eye came very well past his chin so far that it started to curl back up and he had kind of a giant J hanging off his face and uh yeah so that was kind of the hillside, the, our senior public school days, our junior high days, where those were the days of skating and the discovery of punk rock for Mr. Sean Fagan. Then came high school. Uh, that's when I got tight with Sean. That's when we started uh, having a lot of the same friends and uh, things started interweaving, especially after the first year or two. But Sean and I always knew each other. We were always cool to each other. A lot of the people that he hung out with, they picked on me a lot. But one thing that always stood out to me was the fact that Sean didn't. Sean never picked on me. If I was ever in a situation having a conversation, he was willing to have it. It was always very cool. But then it was summer school, grade 10. Grade 10, summer school. 
he and I were in the same class and that's when it it clicked that's when we really started talking and you know laughing and having good times because uh, uh, of course around those years came the discovery of the ganja which of course some something we ended up bonding over for decades but uh yeah so that's when i really got to know sean and that's when we really start to ha- hang out and get to know mutual friends um and then near the end of high school you know it was pretty tight but then it was after high school that sean and i continued to uh, relate and we had the craziest adventures of my life together any uh oh there's also the rave part of his life in the early 90s there kind of in the transition starting early in high school sean was a super rave kid uh all the massive and such uh sean was a legendary raver sean could go for days and days on end and just go to places that you know mere mortals could not achieve these states of being uh you know four or five days even like sleep was just he he toyed with it he played with it like you know the the longer he was up the more fun he was having and you know i don't think i ever ever lasted as long as sean did i don't think anybody did but or even came close so he was legendary for that he loved jungle music uh, jungle was his thing uh, after he had discovered the punk rock, but Danzig, Guar, uh, Kiss, even these were the things. Pink Floyd, these were the things in high school that severely shaped Sean. So many evenings and early mornings and all through the night, sitting on his couch in the basement, so baked off my face, just having to endure the wall. Uh, Oh my goodness. Or live at Pompeii. Oh my God. I'm not a Pink Floyd fan. He loved the Pink Floyd and I would have to endure it. And, uh, you know, tripping or baked or whatever. Uh, we did a, a lot of acid together back in the day. Uh, an extreme amount of acid. That was our drug of choice. And we would watch Pink Floyd. Careful with that axe, Eugene. Oh my goodness. So, you know, adventures, as I was saying. So many raves, many crazy times downtown ending up in booze cans in Toronto or bars that had no business existing. Sean was always there if I ended up in those spots. Uh, Any park that I ended up laughing my ass off on mushrooms at 3 o'clock a.m., Sean was probably on that park. Uh, Woodstock 99 was one of the greatest adventures Sean and I ever had together. Uh, yeah, we drove down there in his Volkswagen Fox. He had a little burgundy four-door Volkswagen Fox. And I remember thinking to myself at one time, might have been on the way home from Woodstock, that that car is the most comfortable, safest spot for me uh, in the world. I felt nowhere more at home than in that car. That's how often we were in it and how many adventures we had together in that goddamn Volkswagen Fox. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Woodstock, that was nuts. He had a cousin, second cousin, maybe. I don't know. He had family that lived out there in New York state. So we actually bailed 
kind of early because we felt it coming on. We felt the, remember the riots and the fires and the madness? We felt that kind of starting to stir. We were like, hey, we've had enough. Let's go. Let's get out. Uh, I mean, I could go on about our Woodstock adventure alone for days. So that's a whole other podcast. So we actually went to his family's house and we jumped in his pool and we watched beer and we watched the end of Woodstock on TV where we were like half half an hour away from. And uh, that th- those were good times. I uh, can't ever remember going to a party in my entire life that Sean wasn't there, you know? There was even a period where I rented a room from this girl in her apartment when I was younger, and we kind of lived in there for like three months. We called it Cabin Fever. It was our Cabin Fever era. We created many cool things. We created a game, a drinking game called Odd Man Out, and we literally, we wrote rules, and we made cards and a board, and there's a funnel. Each game had a funnel that came with it. So we had all these different versions. We had a star Wars, uh, odd man out. Uh, you know, and I think there was, uh, there was a Canada, a Canadian version of odd man out for Canada day. We were big into funnels for a while. We funneled like madmen. We'd go to Canadian tire and try to put together the best funnel that we possibly could. Fuck, we drank a lot. There was the, one of the best parties we had was in a barn uh, for New Year's Eve, 2000, 99 to 2000. We were in a barn drinking tequila, uh, tripping out, playing with lightsabers. We were having big swooping battles with plastic lightsabers. Uh, Phantom Menace had come out in 99 and that totally reinvigorated our love for the Star Wars. Not that we also didn't go to the 96 releases. Those were good times indeed. Uh... Yeah, so we had a good party that time. I saw the specials with Sean. Many great concerts. Uh, Sean introduced me to the Slackers. Um, One day he came over to that apartment, uh, the Cabin Fever apartment, and he's like, you got to hear this. And he put on the time. uh, No, have the time. Have the time from the question. Um, And holy jeez, I instantly was like, what the hell is this? Because when he came to ska and reggae, Sean and I had very, very similar tastes. But Sean was very eclectic, as am I. Sean loved a lot of things. Sean was, he had huge phases of different types of music. Uh, He loved P-Funk for so long. Big funk phase, you know. Uh, Ninja Tunes, big Ninja Tunes phase. Uh, you know, like I said before, the jungle, the punk, he, very, very eclectic tastes. Uh, in fact, yesterday I was going to pick up my son from school and CCR came on the radio. Uh, have you ever seen the rain? And that was the first moment that I really lost it, completely lost it. I had to pull myself together in the parking lot for a bit there. Um, so, uh, yeah, because that was one of the tapes that we bought on the way to Woodstock. We stopped and we bought tapes from like, uh, the gas station. They had like a bin of tape, bin of tapes. We bought, uh, I bought big aviator, aviator, gold aviator sunglasses. He fucking loved them. And, uh, I bought those cause I was in a big Hunter S Thompson phase. We were starting to get into that route. And, uh, uh, so we bought some tapes. We bought that. We bought, uh, atomic dog. Uh, what else did we buy? We bought the Beach Boys, the best of the Beach Boys. Uh, I think we bought another, just like a surf rock tape, but and one tape was CCR though. Uh, you know, so that's why that kind of hit me the other day. I remember driving home from Woodstock, listening to that song in the VW Fox. Uh, it was good times. 
We also saw the Grateful Dead several times together. We would go out to Darien Lake uh, in Buffalo when the dead would play. And we would go there and we would camp out for the weekend with friends of ours. And uh, then go to the concert on the Saturday night. or And then, you know, spending the rest of the time just drinking, going on roller coasters. Super, super good times indeed. Uh, then we got older. And we got older and we kept hanging out. Then there was a, little, a few years there that uh, we weren't hanging out. Because Sean hooked up. <laughs> with a very good friend of mine and we were young and stupid and there were disagreements and they went off and did their thing for a bit and their thing included uh birthing a, a beautiful baby boy named Hensley uh who is now 10 uh awesome little kid uh from all accounts uh I haven't seen him in a few years but when I knew him he was a very cool kid so there was a few years of that. Now, uh, I have an ex-wife. I got divorced back in like 2010. Um, back in like 2008, 2009, I guess he and his baby's mama were no longer together. I was going through a divorce and he kind of one day showed up on my doorstep. That's what it feels like. I think one day he just showed up at my house and knocked on the door and it was like, okay. And he came through the door. We hadn't seen each other for so long. He came through the door and it was literally like we didn't miss a day. And we both kind of looked at each other and laughed. We were like, oh, here we go again, eh? And we had a chuckle about, you know, we were in that spot, in that place once again. And we had more fun, lots more fun, uh, you know. Things kept rolling along. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I got into podcasts. Uh, I was an avid podcast listener uh, for a while. Sean kind of was. He started to get into the Joe Rogan and stuff. So we were both pod fans. And one day I was sitting there and I was like, well, fuck it, man. Let's fucking do a podcast. Um, so we went down into the basement right here where I sit right now in the L5J studios. We hit record on the voice memos on my iPhone. And we proceeded to record An Elegant Weapon, episode one. And it was ridiculous. We got super stoned and we talked about Star Trek Voyager. We talked about Portuguese Man of Wars. We just shot the shit as pure as it gets. Uh, and that went on. That went on for many episodes. Uh, we started having guests and the guests we were having were friends that we were making on Twitter, uh, indie comic artists that we would start to have on the show, uh, incredibly cool people. And this sort of became, uh, the, the gig. We started having other podcasts that we made friends with on, started doing cross pods. Uh, and yeah, and we potted for a long time. Uh, Sean, I'd like to read you something, okay? Uh, Sean was huge into the Grateful Dead as I was talking. Big fan of Jerry Garcia. Uh, he read a lot of Tom Wolfe, Ken Casey. Uh, you know, he read a lot about the Merry Pranksters, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. This, uh, this all floated his boat, shall we say. Uh, Neil Cassidy. I don't know if you're familiar with Neil Cassidy, but he was a friend of all the beatnik, uh, poets. 
and the dead and Jerry Garcia and uh, the Merry Pranksters, the whole thing that was going on in that period. He was just like an enigma unto himself. Uh, Jerry Garcia described Neil Cassidy. He said, Neil was a guy who was like an artist without an art. He was his art, you know? Uh, that's kind of how I felt about Sean. That's how I feel about Sean. That's who he was. Sean had an overwhelming need to question, to uh, be free, to be absolutely as, you know, anarchistically free-willed as he possibly could, in all, despite the consequences sometimes. It was so the point of it for Sean, you know? Sean ended up creating a lot of cool things, uh, a lot of cool comic books, a lot of cool art for The Weapon, for indie comics. Uh, he made music. He played the guitar. Uh, he DJed. He had turntables. He was a talented guy. He was definitely an artist at heart. Created a lot of cool things in a lot of different ways. He was always trying to make something, uh, no matter when and where the situation that's how all these games started, why we made funnels. He was always making things, uh, you know. He could never settle on one thing. He never got specific, but he was a true Renaissance man as far as, you know, his loves, his interests, and his, his beliefs. Our beliefs were very in line, uh, but he was still constantly more consciously questioning things than I ever did. I like to explore the mysteries of the universe, but with Sean, it was a personal mission to dig deeper. Uh, I think that's why the pod started to change for us. I think he wanted to go in a certain way that was extremely him in a way where he felt comfortable. I could tell he started to not feel comfortable on the show. And, you know, because I'm, I'm a big conversationalist. I got a giant mouth. I've always been an actor. I've always been a ham. I've always wanted to be a talk show host. I've always wanted to win an Oscar. I've always wanted to make films. I'm that guy. So Pod, you know, does that for me. And that's where I couldn't help but naturally go. But he himself saw it as a different kind of natural. And it wasn't melding anymore. You know, we were in different places as tended to happen, right? So he decided to leave the show and go on to other things he started another podcast the way of the comic book ronin with uh with his good friend doug and uh he did some other stuff and he was one of the originators of douglas and dragons which is a role-playing podcast uh where these guys all have a fantastic time and they're just ridiculous in his way and you know there could not be rules for sean a rule had to be broken just for the sake of the fact that it was a rule he didn't like rules, no matter where or how they were implemented. Rules were not for Sean. And we just went different ways. So he wanted to leave. He said, don't worry, you'll be fine on your own. I was like, well, yeah, I fucking know, but it still sucks because we're friends. We started this together. And uh, he went off to do other things. Um, he began going through a very difficult time. He had a lot of troubles, a lot of personal issues uh, that led to uh, a hospitalization. And he was in the hospital for a while. And I 
did something. I'm not going to get too into this. Uh, this was our business. But uh, I made a move that he didn't think was the proper move. I still stand by that move as I believe the my intentions were pure and the right thing to do. Uh, I think he may have, you know, after the anger of uh, me basically kind of snitching on him in a way. I could totally see how he could see it that way. Uh, I don't see it that way uh, because, you know, certain certain people needed to know certain things. So I tried to go visit in the hospital and he didn't want to see me. And we didn't talk really. Uh, maybe a few tweet exchanges, but we were angry. We were heated for a while there. I think the heat went away because we just got to a point, but me and him both being stubborn people, we kind of got stuck. And for several years, we, we hadn't talked. Uh, we had kind of exchanged pleasantries at, at a certain extent after a few years on Twitter. Uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't, uh, I think, the necessity to feel to block each other anymore from the world as much as we weren't engaging, which, of course, I'll regret. But that was my relationship with Sean, was coming in and out of it. We had falling outs before. You don't think about it. You just had another falling out. But uh, Sean got sick. Uh, and like a lot of people were saying, much sicker than maybe a lot of people realized. I know Sean turned his life around. I know he became very passionate. I know he was huge into permaculture and gardening. And his son, of course, was the number one reason for everything he did. So he fought. He fought very, very hard. Um, yes, I regret the fact that I didn't get to talk to him. It sucks ass. It, of course, it shows you love your friends. Don't hold grudges. Uh, I'm not pining in sorrow over that just for the fact that I'd been there before. I think eventually we would have come out of it. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough of uh, an eventually this time. Uh, I missed the chance. I missed the boat. I always regret that, but I'm not focused on that. I can't help but focus on the last 32 years of knowing him in some capacity and at certain times being closer to him than I think anyone else in the world. Uh, he was, over an extended period of time, easily the best friend I ever had. He was fiercely loyal when he was on your side. <laughs> <coughs> Um, I miss him <clears throat> I haven't talked to him in a long time and god that sucks but I am lucky enough to be one of the few people in this world to say that I have spent more of my life than not experiencing the greatest of adventures out there to experience with my friend Sean I started my podcast with my friend Sean uh, Sean was there when my son was born, you know. Uh, Sean was there when I got divorced. Uh, Sean was there when it counted. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to miss him. So this sucks. It blows. I know a lot of you are hurting out there because Sean touched a lot of people's lives in many, many different ways. And if you had the chance to know him, if you had the chance to call him a friend at any point in your existence, count yourself so lucky. You'd be so thankful for having known Sean Peter Fagan. 
Um, cause he was a true original as cheesy as that statement sounds, but he was, he was unlike anyone else I ever knew. And, uh, you know, the world is definitely a more interesting, crazy ass place for having had him in it. Uh, I'm very lucky, very lucky. Uh, if you want to go back, go back over the first, uh, 70 episodes of this show, um, the first four episodes of this show don't exist as, uh, uh, they would say it has been lost to the ether, but you can go back and you start early, like episode five, you can hear us build, you can hear him help me build and us build this thing together. Uh, near the end, you can even hear uh, hear it falling apart. <laughs> Couple pause near the end there. Yeah, we were not on the same page at all. But uh, most of my life, he and I were on uh, a page of its own. Terribly, terribly heartbroken that he's gone. Um, yeah, just needed to pod this out. So... If you knew him, you were lucky, and I knew him. I'm lucky, and I'll miss him. I love them very, very much, and uh, that's that. So go back and check out Sean. Check out the Potato Waste on Douglas and Dragons. Check him out on the way of the comic book Ronin. Check him out on an elegant weapon. Uh, and that this week is all we are going to have on an elegant weapon. Take it. Set myself down Tuesday, wrote myself a song. Just things I want to say about what is wrong. But all of my complaining, well, it comes to no avail. The things I really need to say, I've yet to learn myself. Oh, but I won't cry, no. And I won't well, no I tell myself that you Never fail until it's over And when it's over, it's over So I wrote myself a letter And I sent it off to you to make myself feel better, I tried to tell the truth. I wrote a song for Jesus Christ and one for Noah's Ark. I sang a song for morning light and I still sat in the dark. But I won't cry, no. And I won't wail, no. I tell myself that you never fail until it's over and when it's over it's over so I accept I can't do nothing do nothing at all I see myself a big long road and I build myself a wall myself a tunnel so I could get on under and join the rest of the human race just ask why and wonder but I won't cry no and I won't well no 
I tell myself that you it never fail until it's over And when it's over, it's over And when it's over, it's over It's over, it's over, it's over.